It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 234 for March 20th, 2010, recorded March 18th. Have you thought about an online office suite such as Google or Zoho? Google's minimalist interface is refreshingly annoying, or maybe it's annoyingly refreshing. Refreshing because the menus are short and simple, rather like in a fast food restaurant with limited selections. Annoying for, well, exactly the same reason. It's easy to bump into a limitation that means you can't do what you want to do. Google Docs does things the average office fleet can't do easily, though, and the day will come when applications such as these become mainstream. The first thing you'll notice is the single interface to all of the applications, rather like OpenOffice. This is handy because you won't have to open a spreadsheet application and a word processor application and a graphics program and a presentations program. They're all in the same location. Google Docs has no image editor and no database application. If you're used to creating highly formatted text in your word processor, Google's document editor will shock you with the sparse number of paragraph styles. There's normal text and six levels of headings. That's it. You can create a bulleted or numbered list. You can indent paragraphs. You can set justification left, center, right, or full. But nothing more. And there's no control over those bullet and numbering styles. When it comes to selecting a typeface, your choices are limited too, just 18 faces, most of which can be set Roman italic bold or bold italic. Now, neither of these limitations would be a concern to anybody who's using the document editor to write a letter, or even to prepare an article that will eventually be ported to Adobe InDesign for formatting and output to a printing press. In some ways, this is actually good because it limits the number of ways that a user can convert what would otherwise be a readable document into an ugly mess. Those of us who are old enough to remember when computers and applications crashed frequently often end paragraphs by pressing Enter and then Control-S to save the document. This ensures you'll never lose more than a single paragraph. Although pressing Control-S in Google Docs does save the document, there's little point in doing that because the application automatically saves the document every few seconds. Three factors are sufficiently powerful to ensure that Google Docs or Zoho or Microsoft Live or some other similar system will eventually supplant or at least coexist with desktop applications. First is availability. Google Docs files are available from any computer with an Internet connection. That means you can have access to the file from your office, your home, the library, or a friend's home. You don't have to remember to take the file with you or to perform any overt action. The file will just be there when you need it. The second is sharing. It's possible to make the document readable by others, and you can allow others to edit the document. Sharing involves assigning read or write privileges per document to those who you want to be able to read the document or edit it. You can also make the document available publicly. And the third important factor is collaboration. 
Imagine you've traveled from Ohio to California to teach at a conference, and that your Arizona client is currently in New York to teach at another conference. I can imagine this quite well because that's exactly what happened to me in about 1997. Instead of emailing documents back and forth as we did back then, today we could both bring up the document on our screens and each of us could edit it simultaneously. These are the kinds of features that will be increasingly important in the future, and it's why companies such as Microsoft and Adobe are embedding collaboration tools in applications such as Office 2010 and Creative Suite CS5. Google Docs offers the ability to upload existing documents for editing. If you have a recent file from a supported program, this will work as expected. But if you try to upload an older document, for example, a file from WordPerfect 5, which was a DOS application, or WordPerfect 7, still an early WordPerfect application under Windows, you won't have any luck. Likewise, files from early versions of Word, or files from most of the Word processors that no longer exist. The current version of Word can open the two antique WordPerfect files that I tried, so if I needed to add them to Google Docs at any time, it'd be easy enough to do. Google Docs can also extract text and images from Adobe PDF documents, and that translation is surprisingly good. Upload limitations are similar for other document types, too. I have a spreadsheet that includes columns for numbers in decimal, binary, octal, and hex. Okay, I'm a geek. I need that. The sheet also shows printing characters in standard typefaces, along with specific faces such as symbol and wingdings. In Google Docs, that sheet is useless. More standard workbooks, such as the one I compiled when I was shopping for a car in 2009, displays accurately in both Excel and Google Docs. And you can download documents, too, when you need to use the document on your local computer, or if you want to save a local backup copy, just use the File menu, select Download As. For word processor documents, your choices are ODT, which is an open office format, PDF, Adobe's format, RTF, the Universal Translation Format, good old plain text, Word, and HTML. The other applications offer equivalent choices for their data types. You probably know how important I think it is to use the very best applications, even if you have to occasionally pay less for them than you might expect. Some of them might even be free. So this week I thought I'd list five of the free applications that I insist on having. Malwarebytes. You have an antivirus program already. You're careful about the links you follow, and you're even more careful about the applications you open. So why do you need Malwarebytes? Well, you need it because even the best antivirus application doesn't catch everything. Because you might make a mistake because it's important to confirm that your computer doesn't harbor nastyware that somehow slipped by all your defenses. Malwarebytes doesn't run in the background. It doesn't interfere with your existing security applications. It just does what it's supposed to do. And there is Picasa. Even if you already have an application such as Photoshop or Lightroom, Picasa can be helpful. If you do have one of those other applications, you won't be using Picasa to edit or organize your files, but it is the fastest and easiest way to review the files that you have on disk. Image Burn, one of my favorites. When you have files that you need to burn to a CD or DVD, you'll probably want the process to be quick and easy. 
If so, Image Burn is exactly the program for you. Choose what you want to do. The choices would be write an image file to the disk, create an image file from a disk, verify a disk, write files and folders to a disk, or create an image file from files and folders. For advanced users, there's a discovery mode. It's used to test your drive and media together to see if you're creating high-quality burns. But the key point is this. The easiest way to get files from your computer to a CD or a DVD is image burn. One I found just recently, Format Factory. Here's the problem. You have an audio, video, or graphic file in one format, but it needs to be in another format. The WMV file needs to be an AVI, or the SWF should be an MP4. You'd like the WAV file to be an MP3 or a WMA. The AAC should be an OGG. The BMP should be a PNG, or you have an ICO and you want a GIF. (laughs) Sorry about the alphabet soup. The answer in any of those cases would be Format Factory. And if you find yourself wondering what's up with the system, Piriform offers a lot of applications that are handy, including CCleaner, Defragler, and Recuva. The latest edition is Specky. It provides great insight into your computer's inner workings. Malwarebytes, Picasa, ImageBurn, Format Factory, and Specky. Five applications, all free. All worth the time to download them, and all easily found via links from the TechBiter Worldwide website. I still remember waiting for pictures. I'd come back from an event or from a vacation with lots of rolls of film. The choices were to take those rolls of film to the darkroom, develop them and make prints. Many hours of smelly work. Or I could send them to a professional lab. It'd be about a week, week and a half to see the images. I could take them to a local processor, anywhere between an hour and three days. Well, then digital cameras came along, and I could plug the camera into the computer as soon as I got home and start processing the pictures. Now it seems I don't even have to do that. Adobe Photoshop Express, which is already available for Android devices, now offers support for many Apple devices. It's compatible with the iPhone 3GS, iPhone 4, 3rd and 4th generation iPod Touch, and both the iPad and iPad 2 with iOS 4.2 or later. Photoshop Express is free, but you may also be interested in the Adobe PhotoPack. Photoshop Express software lets you use gestures to edit and share photos from your mobile device. The PhotoPack application reduces noise, a common problem with all digital cameras, although particularly a problem with those found in phones and other portable devices. Adobe introduced greatly improved noise reduction technology with Lightroom 3 and Photoshop CS5. Some of that technology is present in PhotoPack to smooth digital flaws. You'll see an image on the TechBiter Worldwide website provided by Adobe that shows how this works. The left side of the image is the original. The right side shows the noise reduction in action. You'll notice the detail in the water is also smoothed. This may or may not be what you're looking for. For some cameras, there's also a self-timer function. This doesn't work with the iPad 2 camera right now. With other devices, you can set the timer to 3 or 10 second intervals. Now, would you pay $29.95 for Adobe PhotoPack? No, you don't have to. It's just 4 bucks, And you can buy it from the iTunes store. 
In short circuits, the same week that a study showed more people get their news from the Internet than from newspapers, the New York Times announced a limited paywall that goes into effect on March 28th, at least in the U.S. In Canada, it's already in effect. Those who subscribe to the paper version will receive the online version at no additional cost. Everybody else can read up to 20 articles per month for free. After that, it's $15 every four weeks. And that's every four weeks, not every month. So the annual fee isn't the $180 you might expect, but $195. By comparison, the Columbus Dispatch provides its online edition free to subscribers, but charges everybody else $795 a month. No free articles. At least the Times honestly states $15, not $1495. On Thursday, in a letter to all registered users of the New York Times website, publisher Arthur Salzberger Jr. said, and I quote, This change comes in two stages. Today, we're rolling out our digital subscriptions to our readers in Canada, which will enable us to fine-tune the customer experience before our global launch. On March 28th, we'll begin offering digital subscriptions in the U.S. and the rest of the world. In reporting the story, reporter Jeremy Peters, writing in the New York Times, described the speech Salzberger made to employees Thursday morning, in which he said the changes are an investment in the newspaper's future. A zero-day exploit revealed in Google's Chrome web browser got quick attention and a new version this week for users of Windows, the Mac, and Linux systems. The problem actually lies in the Adobe Flash Player, and Adobe warned about the problem on March 14th. Google updated the browser a day later. The update isn't automatic, though. As of the 17th, I still had the earlier version, so I downloaded the update. Adobe will be updating Flash Player 10 and earlier versions for Windows, Macintosh, Linux, Solaris, and Android. And according to Adobe, no known attacks exist to target either the Adobe Reader or Acrobat, but updates will be released next week for Acrobat 10 and 9 for Windows and Macintosh as well as for Reader 10 and 9 for Macintosh. Adobe Reader 10 Protected Mode can prevent the exploit, so that version won't be updated until the normally scheduled update on June 14th. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.